So my name is Haley. I'm a licensed therapist and I specialize in working with people who have anxiety and struggle with anxiety and panic attacks and all things related to anxiety. And I'm also someone who has struggled with anxiety myself my entire life. So it's something that I can relate to very much. And it's really why I started my TikTok channel as well as my Instagram as well, because I really wanted to create a space for people to also relate to their anxiety as well. When I was really struggling a lot with my anxiety, I didn't really talk to that many people about it. I tried to here and there, but I also felt as though not a lot of people could quite understand what was going on and couldn't really relate to that experience. So you just feel really alone in that struggle. And also you'll get lots of anxious thoughts or do things and you're like, I don't know if other people think this way. I don't know if other people have these same thoughts that I have or struggle with their anxiety in this type of way. So you keep it hidden and more to yourself. So I really created my TikTok so I could start making videos just talking about anxiety more in depth, like pro providing more information about anxiety, panic attacks, things like that. I was just so surprised that so many people would comment on these videos and be like, I struggle with the same exact thing. I had no idea anyone else was struggling with panic attacks or anxiety, health anxiety, whatever it is. They were like, I never thought anyone else could struggle with it in the same way. So it just provides a sense of community for people who struggle with anxiety, you just get it and you understand it. So that's really where my passion came from. And also why I help people as a therapist as well with people that struggle with anxiety, because I just, I can relate to it so much. So whenever somebody's talking to me about it, I'm like, I get what you're saying, just struggling every day with it. I really wanted people to see there are things you can do to really recover from it. And it's something mean you can talk about later on too. Like, what does it mean to recover from anxiety and panic attacks and things like that? But yeah, so there's sort of a synopsis. I also want to tell you, there's so much strength in you doing that as well, because you are a therapist, right? And you're also able to share your truth and share your story and really show people that I've been here before. I'm not just telling you something that I learned in school, as an example, I'm telling you something that I've lived, that I've pulled myself out of as well and there's so much power in that and the fact that you were able to create a community of people that also see themselves in it I think is also so vital there's more people out there that go through this reality but there's very few of us that are open about it and that actually want to really show people that this is okay. It doesn't make you less of a human to struggle to this degree. And I feel like sometimes we get stuck in that, that when you're in that really dark place of your anxiety disorder, panic disorder, whatever it is, that you really feel like you're less than because you don't know how to even operate as a quote unquote regular person anymore. Everything falls apart. I want to talk about the behaviors that people do when they're struggling with anxiety and panic for a long period of time, because there's a lot of avoidance behavior. And I know avoidance is like this big topic. If you really get into the whole recovery journey is what is avoidance actually doing for us? Is it really keeping us safe or is it keeping you stuck in the anxiety loop over and over again? So can you talk a little bit from your perspective of what avoidance is? Yeah, that's such a great point too. And avoidance is really essentially just trying to 
protect ourselves from feeling like anxious or experiencing some sort of feared outcome of a situation. Avoidance can look like so many different things depending on what you're struggling with, right? If somebody's struggling with panic attacks, they might, or panic disorder, they might avoid going to the grocery store, for example, because they experience panic attacks and anxiety in the grocery store, they might avoid driving. They might avoid doing something because they're thinking like, this is, this thing triggered me. This thing triggered my anxiety. It triggered my panic attack. If I just avoid it, I'm protecting myself from experiencing that anxiety and panic. And therefore I won't, I won't have to go through that again. And I can just avoid it. If I just avoid this thing, whether it's one thing or a few things. Okay. If I just avoid that, I can avoid experiencing or avoid experiencing panic attacks. Sorry. And the thing is with panic attack, if we're using the example of panic attacks, it's awful to experience a panic attack to say the least. It's very debilitating and it's terrifying. So our brains are like, okay, we don't want to experience that. We want to avoid it. And it associates different objects or places or things that are related to the panic attacks. But really, it's not the place that is the problem. It's not, it's the experience you had while driving in the car, while at the grocery store, while at the gym. So it really, that I think that's a big concept of that a lot of people don't understand because they're like, if I just avoid going to the gym or if I avoid driving, I won't have to experience a panic attack. But really it just makes your anxiety worse. Yeah, avoidance can be something that we try to protect ourselves from. And our brain is telling us that, yes, avoid this because it'll keep you safe from anxiety. It starts treating the anxiety and panic as a threat and as dangerous. And avoidance seems to be the answer because we don't want to feel uncomfortable. It, there's a difference between being uncomfortable and being unsafe when we're, and that's something I wanted to talk about too, because there's a difference between we avoid things that are dangerous, right? That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. That's where avoidance would be helpful for us. We don't want to put ourselves in a dangerous or life-threatening situation. But when we start associating anxiety and panic with feeling unsafe and feeling dangerous, then our brain is, oh, we got to avoid that too. It starts combining the two. This is dangerous. This is a life-threatening situation when it's not. And that's where it gets like a little murky with the avoidance because, yeah. Yeah. And I know for myself and my own journey, I felt like the avoidant behavior, I didn't recognize it at first. And I feel like it was literally like when a snowball is going down a cliff and it's like slowly growing and growing and growing until you literally get to the point to where your only safety is your bubble of being home. That, that's how it got for me, where it was just like, boom, everywhere started getting smaller, smaller, smaller. And I remember at the beginning, I had started to like experience panic and anxiety, but it wasn't really at the point to where it was debilitating my life. But I noticed that I was like, maybe I shouldn't go to that TJ Maxx because I had a panic attack there. No, I won't go to that one. Let's just go to the other one. So like it started there with like really subtle, no, I don't want to go over there or I don't want to do this. I don't do that. And it got to the point to where I wouldn't even wear a jacket that I wore if I had a panic attack in that jacket. Yeah. Because just putting on the jacket again, 
to go anywhere made me feel like, oh, I'm recreating. It literally got to that point too because my brain couldn't distinguish anymore what was safe, what wasn't safe because uncomfortable was unsafe. That was the only reality that I had at that point. And the avoidant behavior was just reinforcing that part of my mind that was like, everything is unsafe in the world. So I want to use that to transition into like the next part of that is that where does someone start to recover even that's in one of the hardest parts of their anxiety or panic disorder journey where does someone even go to start because i know i've had a lot of followers that have messaged me and been like i can't even leave the house i literally am just stuck here and i was in that exact place last year and the way that i started was i just started going for walks right for me there was a point to where i couldn't even walk not even halfway down my block but it was every single day saying, I'm going to walk to the end of the corner. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk to start showing my mind that I have the choice to do it and to start to befriend that discomfort. But it took a long time. And sometimes when people ask me, I'm just like, everyone is different. I don't have the perspective of someone like you that is a therapist. Like, where would you recommend someone to start that's in like the pit of it all? I definitely recommend if someone's able to go to therapy to work with a therapist that does specialize in anxiety, panic attacks, panic disorder, agoraphobia. I think that would really be a great option for somebody because you get that one-on-one -on -one support. It can be really difficult to try to do it all by yourself. That's not to say that nobody can because you definitely can. It just it's sometimes it can make the process easier if you have someone with you guiding you through that, especially with exposures, right? gradual exposure to those things that you know that you might have been avoiding due to your anxiety and panic attacks. There are actually a few books that I would recommend for people. I don't know if you've Ooh, read. I want to hear. I want to <laughs> see. Let's see what. I don't it know is. if you've ever read these before. <laughs> these were, and I'm mentioning them because. A, I think they're so great, and B, they actually helped me so much on my recovery journey. So I feel like I always recommend people to start there. If they can't start seeing a therapist right away, for whatever reason, that's okay, but they can start here and it helps so much. So the two books I recommend are Hope and Help for Your Nerves by Claire Weeks, Dr. Claire Weeks. Have you read that one? I haven't read that one. I've read a lot of like the excerpts from it and I've been trying to get her agoraphobia book but it's so old that i actually can't get the original copy <laughs> yes oh my god i know it was oh my gosh when was it when did it come maybe in the 1960s or something totally yeah. but it's yeah it's a very old book but she's in so if you're able to get that book but i know the book hope and help for your nerves is on Amazon because I know I got it from there. I know they definitely have book from her on there. And she was really like the pioneer of all of this, of accepting, allowing your anxiety. She talks about floating with your anxiety. So that is definitely a book that I recommend to people starting out. And also the Dare book. I don't know if you've heard yes. of that one too. <laughs> that book honestly and i always tell people i'm like read the dare book and i feel like sometimes the response is read a book and i'm like yeah honestly the dare book is what first helped me 
start to do exposures and not, I'm not going to sugarcoat either that there was times where I would definitely have a really big setback and give up at the beginning. I would definitely give up at the beginning, but the dare app as well was super helpful with the book because the dare app had a meditation that I had never heard before. That was very scary for me. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's a meditation that literally guides you to tell your panic, to kill you, to make it worse, to make the sensations worse. And to say that if it doesn't happen in the next 10 seconds, like if I don't collapse within the next 10 seconds, then I need to let it go. Then I need to let the anxiety go. That I need to face it. That's it. You do the whole diffuse, allow, run toward, and engage after you do that that whole meditation. But that thing is it's terrifying. If you're someone that has experienced panic attacks, you have to listen to meditation that is telling you allow every single thing that you are fearing right now to happen. I'm I honestly can say I can see why someone wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. But it is facing it that we start to realize what is really here but dare is what helped me start to get out definitely i still use it yeah i still use it i'm on the same page as you that really was the first book when i was like at my wits end i was like i don't know what to do and so i went on amazon and i just typed in i need help with me too. <laughs> something yeah. like that, and that book popped up and it was a game changer for me and i'm with you because that it was really tough to go through that and I was trying to do it by myself and yeah. it was it was really tough so I and I agree like listening to that meditation that would be really hard especially when you're in the midst of it and you're like I don't want to say that to myself that's mm -hmm. absolutely terrifying but those two books and I know there's other there's I'm sure there's other books out there too those are definitely the two that I recommend for people starting out and the reason why too is because something that I used to do, I don't know if you did it as well, but when I was struggling so bad with my anxiety, I didn't know where to get help from, what to do. So I was just going on online forums <laughs> just or Facebook groups or something because I was like, all right, this is great. Like I can get support in this way. And in some ways it was very validating when other people were struggling with their anxiety, but it wasn't helping me get better. It was just like, it was actually making my anxiety worse because I was constantly reading other people's struggles with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in there were people posting about their success with yes. their anxiety or what it was like for their anxiety recovery journey, or if they mm -hmm. exposed themselves to something and they felt like a huge accomplishment. There was just, there wasn't a lot of positive that you'd see because people were all struggling. So I just... The thing is, I wouldn't recommend that be your only source of support because it's not going to get you better. I was listening to I, different podcasts as well. So that's, but I was listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos that people were talking about anxiety recovery. So to sum it up, that's really the place I would start is people who are really talking about those topics as well. It's like when I, when you came up on my for you page, it was just, it was amazing when I saw your video and I commented on it and I don't usually comment <laughs> on people's that much. I'll just like, like it or, but <laughs> I just loved that you were posting about that because you don't always see people posting that side of it and you, how vulnerable you were 
with Thank your you. experience too. And the way that you talked about it, I was like, that is just, it's just, it was just so spot on. So this is the one where I was having a hard day and I had to come home and go in the ice tank, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And literally that moment, like when I was on my way back home, I just remember feeling all of that discomfort. I had all the sensations, the panic, like it was already there. And on the way home, like I was telling my partner, I was like, I'm going to cry right now. I'm just letting you know, because I'm not holding it in anymore. I've been working so hard on all these exposure therapies. I've been going out again. I've been living my life. But today was difficult. I was anxious the whole time. I was really struggling and, but I'm living my life and I won and it's okay. I'm going to let myself cry and let myself be frustrated. I'm going to let myself be angry, but I'm going home. And the moment we get there, I'm getting in the ice tank because I am continuing to show myself that uncomfortable is immune unsafe and being able to have a relationship with that. And sometimes we do get frustrated again. I get frustrated a lot, but I'm nowhere where I was a year ago. But still, you have those days where it's just too much and you feel like you're at the brink of like panic <laughs> full on. But it's all about what we do after. And I feel like, yes, I needed that bath to shock me back to reality, literally. And those are some of the huge benefits I've gotten from doing cold plunging is showing myself that I have the choice and that even if you're feeling like DPDR, you're feeling out of it or you're super anxious, there's always something you can do about it. You can fight it and make it worse. I thought that I needed to like brace for impact and stop myself. And that was like the problem, right? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that because I feel like when you tell someone that they're like, what? And that's how I was. I was like, wait, you want me? to allow myself to panic and feel like I was like what <laughs> so what do you think about that <laughs> I know totally agree I thought I used to think that way too and I'm a therapist and I was like I was going about it all wrong I was just like I'm just not fighting hard enough like you really think that mm -hmm. hey there's something I'm doing wrong I'm, and yeah. it's such a wild crazy concept to say how can i allow something that feels so horrible and that i'm so scared of and yeah. i don't want it to be there how can i allow it to be there how can you tell me to allow it it's that and that's really like the paradox of this whole thing of anxiety recovery is you have to do the opposite of what you've been doing and sometimes when we get really honest with ourselves and we ask ourselves has what i've been doing working but like it gets to that point of i've constantly been resisting and fighting it avoiding it doing all these things and i'm still feeling the same exact way in reality a lot of these anxiety and panic symptoms will naturally have a chance to go away on their own by doing the opposite of what we've been doing by not fighting or resisting it or pushing it away avoiding it doing all those strategies are not helping you, but really learning how to allow your symptoms, your anxious thoughts, all of that to be there. That's really where people get tripped up because they're like, I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you do that? How do you not do that? And really the first thing to understand is what does it look like to resist? You want to do the opposite of what I do to resist. And you mentioned it too. Like we brace ourselves for impact. Like all your muscles are t tensing up and you're just like, oh, please go away. Please go away. Please go away. And you're like, 
clenching your whole body just waiting you're actually putting the gas pedal when you do that like you're <laughs> literally putting the gas pedal on it the moment you say no yeah yes that's yeah you're putting the gas instead of pumping the brakes you're just like going full force into it <laughs> why yeah why doing not that? fun <laughs> yeah no definitely not fun at all when you're the person that's really going through it through the darkest times where you feel like your life is completely not even yours anymore i feel like you get stuck in this space of but i want my family and my friends to understand why don't they understand and you're constantly trying to make them understand how terrifying or how hard it is or how your life is so different and i feel like the longer i was stuck on that you have to understand the longer that I was causing myself a lot of pain as well, a lot of more added anxiety and discomfort because I felt so out of place. For anyone listening that's maybe listening to this because they have a loved one that's going through this or they themselves have a friend or someone like that or they want to support people that are going through a panic attack or through a very difficult time with anxiety, what can they do or what can they say to support that person through that? So what I would tell my loved ones when I started to figure it out was that, hey, if you notice that I'm panicky or anxious and stuff like that, remind me that I have the inner wisdom to get through it. Remind me that I have my coping skills. Maybe give me some ice, but you don't have to intervene. Remind me that I can do it, that we are safe, whatever the case is. You don't need to interfere. And that was what was for me was very helpful, but I know everyone's different. So I wanted to hear your perspective and your opinion on what can people around you do if you're really struggling and you're having a panic attack or whatever it is. What can we tell our loved ones around us? Like, why? Say, why? They're like, why? And I'm well, like, why? I don't know why. <laughs> if I knew why, then I wouldn't be here. I, and, I'm and sometimes, fix it. sometimes we don't know why we're anxious or why we're panicking. Like, our body is just reacting. And so it can make us feel even more frustrated if we're like, I don't know. I don't want to have to explain why I'm feeling anxious. Like, maybe there is a reason, and maybe I'll tell you if that's how I need to process it. But Sometimes there is no specific reason or no specific trigger that we can think about, at least in that moment too. And it's not really that helpful. So I agree. I think everyone has something that can help them in those moments. Like everyone is different. Everyone needs a different type of support. Some people might just need their partner or their friend or family member or loved one just to sit there with, to just either sit by their side and maybe not say anything at all and just be a physical presence there, a physical presence of feeling safe and comforted in that way. Some people want to just be held or maybe you put your hand on their shoulder or on their leg or their arm or whatever to let them know, hey, I'm here. I'm not leaving you. I'm. We'll get through this together. So some people like that type of support and other people like the support where they're just, they're saying, someone is saying to them, like, you're safe. I know you're feeling, if someone's just validating how scary mm -hmm. this is for them, I know this is really scary for you. What can I do to help? And maybe they might not be able to think about it in that moment, but maybe they can just say, I'm here. I'm not leaving you. And you're safe. You've gotten through this before. You will get through this again. And like you mentioned too, you have the inner wisdom to get through this. And just those reminders that we might need, those like comforting reminders. Like, I know you're 
scared, but you're safe right now and I'm not leaving you. And however long that may be, that can cover that, however long that might be that you're struggling in that moment, you might just really need that support. And I know for me, I needed that validation too. And don't minimize what I'm feeling. Don't tell me to just calm down or relax or I'll get over it. <laughs> it's just not helpful. You just want someone to say, even if they don't understand what you're going through, just to know that you, you know, if they can just say some comforting words or sentences to you and be there for you to support you in that way. That's really what helped me too. Yeah. And also I, I wanted to really talk about that a bit because I also want to empower anyone who's listening. If you do struggle with anxiety or panic to let your loved ones and family and friends know in a moment where you're not anxious, what they can do if you are right to just prep them. So that way you don't have to go through that, like stress of like, when you're already feeling it, Hey, how, you know, I don't even know how to talk anymore. Cause I'm already panicking. So I just want to empower people that there is a lot of power in trying to identify maybe what are some things that people around you can do that way they can best support you. And they can also feel better within themselves that they know what to do as well. Because I feel like a lot of times I know sometimes for me, it was frustrating to hear like the, why are you feeling that way? Or, Oh, and I'm already like in the middle of the panic attack and they're like but why <laughs> yeah I'm like, I, I don't even know how to talk right now <laughs> the reason why i say that is because it's not our loved ones or our friends fault at all it's at no one's fault and they're just doing their best to be there for you so i wanted to talk about that a bit because i want to remind people that if this is your reality right now and you're able to help someone around you best support you come up with a plan and maybe give it to them or tell them what your coping skills are. Tell them, I, I like to use ice when I'm anxious, or I need to write, or I need to be alone, or I want you to be there with me. So I just want to remind you that you can tell your loved ones that, and that you're allowed to do that. And something else I wanted to talk about as well is, oh, as soon as this turns back on, <laughs> it's so weird. The battery there's a connected battery to my DSLR camera. That's the webcam and it keeps on, I don't know what's wrong oh, with it. Anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with it. What I wanted to talk about is giving yourself permission to feel anxious and giving yourself to permission to panic. And that for those phrases sound really absurd, right? They really do. And I know at the beginning for me as well, I was like, what do you mean give myself permission to have a panic attack? I don't want it. And I can't have it and I don't want to experience it at all. And it was in the moments where lately doing a lot of my exposures where it's been getting really difficult, where I've been like, you know what? I give myself permission. It's okay. Go ahead. It's yeah. fine. Once it passes, I will keep on living my life and that is fine. And usually having that kind of inner talk and that inner monologue of saying it is totally fine. I'm not going to fight. It goes back to the non-resistance, but what is it? What can that even look like? to give yourself permission. Yeah. I love that you said that too, giving yourself permission and making space for your anxiety and panic to be there. And again, it's that concept of, I don't want it to be there, but when you make peace with it, you say, and I can give you an example of things that I've said to myself too, which is I sort of talk to my anxiety, like, okay. And I, I say, thanks for the alarm. Thanks for the alarm signal, but everything's okay. And then I say, you can stay for as long as you need to stay. You can do whatever you have to do. I just fully lean into it and fully accept and allow it to be there by just saying, okay, you can hang around if you need to. I'm going to continue to do what I need to do 
what I was doing beforehand, but if you want to stay and come along for the ride, you can do that. And another thing I said to myself is I'm in the driver's seat. I'm in the driver's seat. (laughs) You are in the passenger seat because a lot of times it feels like our anxiety is in the driver's seat and we're Mm -hmm. in the passenger seat or we're in the back seat. We feel like we have no control over it. And it really feels that way. So we're saying to ourselves, I'm going to continue to be in the driver's seat, but if you want to hang along, you can, you can come along for the ride, but you're not going to take control of the wheel right now. I'm doing that. And those are just some things that I would say to myself to remind myself that I do have, like you said, I do have choices in that inner dialogue of sort of making peace with your anxiety and panic, which again, helps it to subside much quicker in the long run as well, because your body's learning how to desensitize. It's not bracing for impact. It's not seeing it as this like enemy, even though anxiety has done a lot of damage, right? When we take a look (laughs) at it, we're like, this is not great. But having that inner dialogue of saying, okay, I know you're just trying to protect me right now, but I'm okay. I know you don't believe me, but this is what we're going to do. So that's what I did yeah and being like okay you can come in the car with me you can come with me you want to go to the store too all right let's go that's fine i literally do i'm like all right you can come but you're not gonna take over yeah exactly yeah it's just allowing it allowing it can come with and that's difficult because there's some days and some moments where you're just like Mm, no we really don't want you to come today yeah but you're like let's go (laughs) and i there was something i was reading that was like at times we have to start to see that anxious like voice or that anxious part of ourselves as a little funny character that's just there all the time that just annoys you and bugs you he's cute you can leave him there you can take him with but you have to take him with you and if you reject him if you push him away he's gonna keep on coming back and more and more and not leaving you alone i wanted to talk a little bit about one of the scariest and hardest symptoms of anxiety, which is DPDR, in my opinion, and in many people's opinions, I'm sure. But can you talk a little bit about what it is and how people can start to change the relationship with it and transform through it or cope with it? What do you think about DPDR? I totally agree. I feel like for me, that was like my top scariest symptoms, DPDR, depersonalization, derealization, along with like heart palpitations, all of that, that was up there too. But the DPDR was absolutely terrifying for me. And I went through intense episodes of it. And basically what it is, it's like this, you, you, this feeling of disconnection I guess it, that's how I'd summarize it. You, with depersonalization, you feel like you're not real. You are not real. Like you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you mm. don't feel real or you're looking at your hands and they don't feel like they belong to you. And it's a really scary thing to experience. You start looking around you and you don't feel real. And then derealization is like everything else around you doesn't Mm -hmm. feel real. Your surroundings don't feel real. You feel like you're in this dreamlike feeling. Everything feels distorted. And when you look at things, they feel and look distorted. It just doesn't feel right. And that's just really to summarize it. It's just a feeling of you feel very disconnected from your body and from your surroundings. 
And it's a really terrifying experience and it's a terrifying feeling. And usually it happens if someone experiences trauma at, or if you're experiencing high periods of stress and anxiety, those are typically when that happens. And it's interesting because a lot of people have probably experienced DPDR at some point in their life. But the problem is with anxiety sufferers, we experience it for longer than just a minute or so. If someone experiences it frequently, like a, right? It's like an all yeah. thing versus, oh, that was a weird feeling. And then you move mm. on and you feel normal again. But when you get stuck with DPDR, you're feeling like that all the time. Like from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep, you yes. can't even talk to people. You're like, I don't know what I'm mm. saying. I don't know if my thoughts are mine. I don't know what to, it's just a very, weird, strange, and scary feeling. So I experienced this a lot and I was terrified because I remember I asked my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, when I was experiencing it, I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't know if you'll relate to this, but I was like, do you ever feel like you're just not real? Like you're not really here? <laughs> and it was just, and he was just like, no. <laughs> But not yeah. in a right? But he was confused. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's funny because I feel like, yeah, sometimes when we try to explain it, people are like, no, I never have. And it's, wow, that's great. I would love to not know. <laughs> yeah. I would love to not know at all what DPDR feels like. I would love to be confused about it. I feel like also, at least for me, because again, like there was a period of time last year where it was very like bad. I actually didn't realize how dissociated I had gotten until I started to take medication and I started to feel different. I think maybe like a week or two into it, I already started to feel different. And what started to happen was that I started to have a moment where I felt present again. And I used to panic about that because I didn't know how to feel present anymore. I literally was confused that I wasn't anxious. I was confused that I wasn't dissociated. And it was literally like coming out of that huge brain fog, coming out of that phase of it was so oddly, like immensely difficult, even though it was coming back to a better place. It was just because my body was so conditioned to be in an anxious, distressed, dissociated space and experiencing DPDR intensely many times. And I feel like for me, that symptom was also for sure the scariest. It's still, I would say, is the one I fear, honestly, and it's just the truth. But what started to help me for myself was trying, starting to tell myself when I felt it, I will come back. Wherever I'm floating to, whatever's going on, I'll come back. But no fighting again. No fighting. It will come back. And something that was very confusing for me, which I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well, was that I had learned that, okay, DPDR is your body's basically trying to protect you from feeling all of the like super intense deep feelings or the trauma or whatever it is you're going through that it's actually your body protecting you and that's really frustrating to know because it's very scary and it's very frustrating and it's intense to be feeling like that when it happens and it's terrifying and you think to yourself what you're protecting me and it's a very i feel like a lot of times this journey and starting to recover is very par huge paradox sometimes 
right? So DPDR is your body's way of telling you that I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to keep you safe. But then you're there fighting it as well. How do we start to change the relationship with DPDR? Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's that it's hard to realize that and understand that because that is true. It is our brain's way of trying to protect us. And so it's our brain's way of saying, okay, we need to slow down. We need to take a break. We need Mm -hmm. to check out for a bit. And it's it's crazy how our mind works and how our brain just goes how to do that. But we don't like the feeling because it feels really scary. It's like, it feels, it's awful. It's awful. And if people haven't experienced it before, it's, you know, they're lucky because yeah. I'm like, I actually, I hope you don't. Yeah. If you're I'm like, if you're listening and you don't know at all, we're talking about, I'm genuinely very happy for you. Yes. Um, but if you have, I highly suggest as well, starting to look at what is it really trying to tell you? Or what is it doing? It's really trying to keep you safe. Yeah. So you don't need to fight it, but yeah, changing the relationship with DPDR has been a journey in and of <laughs> itself. It's a journey because it feels so scary and you're like, I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know why it happens. Sometimes it doesn't, because it doesn't make sense why it happens. But a lot of times when people have chronic DPDR, their body is just in this chronic hyperstimulated state, this hypersensitized state. So it's constantly anxious. So your body's constantly producing like cortisol and things like that. So your brain is getting that message that it doesn't feel safe because you're chronically stressed and anxious. That And that feeling for me, it took me the longest time to get over that DPDR because I resisted it for a long time. And that was the symptom I wanted to go away the most. So ironically, the <laughs> symptoms that we want to go away the most hang around the longest. That's what I've found. So it's like you're learning this paradox of how do I just allow these really scary symptoms to be here because it scares me. And I think that if you're experiencing DPDR and you don't know what it is, that was the very first thing that I did because I didn't even realize that was what was happening until I looked it up and I found out that there was actually a name for it. And that made me feel more comforted and knowing, okay, I'm not the only person. Cause I felt like I was losing my mind. Like I thought it was going. It really feels like that. You like, it literally feels like you're out of this world and you are losing your mind. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Like you said, you are losing your mind. It literally feels like that. It's like, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, am I always going to feel this way? Am I Mm -hmm. stuck in this permanent state where my mind is just permanently altered? It's just, it's a really, really scary feeling. So once you understand that there's a name for it, that's really the first step is knowing what it is and why it happens and also how you get stuck in the DPDR cycle. And something that I did, I don't know if you have seen his videos. I know I always talk about YouTube videos, but it really helped me in the beginning with DPDR. I started watching these videos from this guy. His YouTube channel is depersonalization manual. That's his YouTube. Oh, I haven't seen it. His videos are so good. I found his videos somehow when I was first experiencing it. And it was so helpful because he also suffered from it for, I don't know, two years straight. He suffered from it. He got out on the other side of it. So it was really helpful watching his videos where he really explains 
what it is, why it happens, how you get stuck in that cycle and how to get out of the cycle, which is really the more we focus on the DPDR, we focus on it, we keep checking in and seeing, am I still feeling weird? Am I still feeling yeah. personalized? <laughs> am I still feeling derived? That's what keeps the DPDR alive. And it makes sense why we're trying to check in with ourselves and why we're focusing on it. But really what I did is it would come up for me. I'm like, oh, here it is again. Okay, I guess I'm just going to feel this way. But I didn't try to stop it. I didn't try to like, it's the attempts to stop it. It's the attempts to feel normal again. Because I would try to do, I'm like, how do I feel normal? How do I make myself yeah. normal? <laughs> and people were talking to me and I was just so zoned out. I was like, I don't even know what you're saying. I'm like on the verge of a panic attack and you're mm -hmm. talking to me about something else and I have no idea what's going on. It's mm -hmm. just, I was like focusing on it. But when you get to that point where you're like, okay, I get, I guess I'm going to feel this way. But then you refocus your attention to other things. That's what really helped me because if I was like, all right, I'm guess I'm, I'm feeling depersonalization, but I'm going to watch this show that I was watching before. Mm -hmm. Refocus your attention to something else. Then I didn't notice that I was feeling it. Like maybe in the beginning, I was like, all right, I'm still feeling weird. But once mm -hmm. I, once my mind got distracted on something else, I totally forgot about the DPDR. I don't know if that happened for yeah. you, but for me, it was like one, once I checked in again and saying, Hey, am I still feeling this way? Immediately the DPDR came back. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was like, once I noticed it, and once I said, hey, am I not feeling this way or am I still feeling this way? Then it immediately came back. But when I was focused on other things, totally forgot about it. But it took time. It took yeah. time for that <laughs> to happen too. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I feel like for me, I just kept on telling myself, okay, I feel this way. I'm out of it. I already know it's DPDR. All right, that's fine cool let me do something let me get back into my body but i don't have to force it i used to be like okay uh, i can scribble i can color but i used to just be like okay that's it but getting that mentality th that took me a lot of trial and error yeah <laughs> like it was a lot of trial and error trying to get through it of trying to figure it out and trying to fight it and every time i felt it i was like oh here it is again hello and yeah just it wasn't great but i definitely wish that and i know that's part of what creators like you and i are doing as well is trying to destigmatize and share that these things actually happen but i feel like dpdr as well as something where if you're really experiencing it and living through it you can be silently feeling like everything is like you're losing your mind right mm -hmm. and it can be a very isolating feeling to feel like that because you feel like oh there must be something really wrong with me but in reality it's that maybe you've gone through some really difficult things or maybe you have experienced trauma or maybe you're just going through a really difficult time in your life or you're stressed or whatever it is and just to know that your body's trying to keep you safe although you might be freaking terrified right that you don't need to fight it you don't need to fight it and you will come back to your body eventually Absolutely. but it's a process yeah that one it's a lot of fighting with that one it still still hangs there it still hangs there and that's okay it's all right they can it's come so with too. <laughs> yeah, they can it's come so with. Tough. That's fine. And knowing yeah. too that okay, I'm not my I'm not permanently like this. It's this is not a permanent state that my brain is in because I used to cry myself to sleep every night. I was like, I can't even I can't feel this way anymore. It was awful. And I was like, I'm permanently stuck this way. So I think really realizing I will come back 
again to my body. I will, you know, I don't need to force it, but it will, and it can happen. And if you're struggling with this, just take a look at other people who have recovered from it because there are people out there who are talking about, Hey, listen, I've had it chronically for years and now it's so much better. And even if it comes up occasionally, it's yeah. more of that. Okay. It doesn't hang around like it does. It just pops in mm -hmm. and it's like, Hey, do we need a break again? You can get out on the other side of it and just continue to follow people, watch videos on it. Don't listen to somebody who says you're permanently stuck this way. The fear, it's definitely a fear that a lot of people have, but when you're in this chronic state of stress, it feels like you're always going to feel that way. But when your body has a chance to naturally come back on its own, you're, when you stop resisting it, your brain has a chance to say, okay, now I have a chance to return back to that normalcy on my own. In the same way, when your body learns how to not be so sensitized and chronically stressed and full of anxiety, it's okay. Now I don't need to keep doing this. That's yeah. And it, there was something you said there that I wanted to like highlight because it's very important is that like even someone that's recovered, it'll still come back. And when I was first like really barely started to climb out of the hole of how bad it was, I remember hearing that people that are recovered doesn't mean that they don't get anxious anymore. And I remember firstly learning that I was like, uh, really? It made me lose a little bit of hope. I was afraid because I was like, wait, so you mean that even if you're recovered, that you're still going to feel panic or that you're still going to be anxious? Like at the beginning, that simple like fact, I didn't understand, right? But I've come to really come to that acceptance and understand that recovery is not what we always think it is, right? Recovery is not that you never feel anxious or panicky ever again in your life. It doesn't mean that you never will have a panic attack again. What it means is that you have experienced it, you have allowed it enough times, you have practiced being uncomfortable, you have done all of those things to the point to where you are not limiting your life anymore like you were before that's part of recovering right but that knowing that in this life and in our realities we're gonna get anxious we're gonna panic we're gonna be afraid and we have to be willing to experience it but coming to that acceptance there's time still where that's super frustrating and it's just being super open and honest about it that someone that's recovered it doesn't mean that they're perfect none of us are exactly. and it might come back and if it does hey, hopefully we learned from the time before and we're able to address it with love and care and not push it away. Yeah. But for you, what is like the, re like when would you say you felt like you were recovered or what did that look like for you and your experience? Yeah, that's, yeah, so that's a good question because I felt like my recovery process was so up and down as mm -hmm. is a lot of people's. So I remember I went through periods where I was like, okay, I think I'm like out on the other side of it. I think I'm good. I think I'm finally good. Like I had a period of a month where things were going well. And then all of a sudden you get hit with a setback. Yeah. And then I got really frustrated and overwhelmed. And I was like, okay, now I'm back at square one. But that happened many times throughout my journey. So I feel like when I felt recovered was when I fully accepted and allowed my anxiety because there were so many times during my recovery journey where I thought I was accepting and allowing and doing these things, but it was very conditional. I'll mm, only accept and yep. allow if X, Y, and Z happens, or I'll accept and allow only to a certain extent, or I'll only accept and allow mm -hmm. 
in these circumstances. But when I fully actually, okay, when I got to the point where I did not care if my anxiety was there anymore, because on my recovery journey, I was like, I would still care a lot. I was like, I don't want to feel anxious, but I'm going to work on allowing it. But when I fully got to the point where I was like, I don't care if it shows up, I don't care right now. If I'm going to feel anxious, I'm going to feel anxious. If my body is going to tremble and shake, and I'm going to have heart palpitations, I guess that's just going to happen. But I'm going to still live my life. And I'm not going to keep avoiding doing things because of my anxiety. So I think Mm -hmm. that was really the point where I was like, I just don't even care anymore. Because that was when I fully let go of the fear was not giving into, oh my God, I don't want it to be here. I don't want it to be there. I still didn't want it to be there. Not like <laughs> people who are, oh, I'm recovered from it. So I want it to be there. I just was like, okay, I don't really care anymore. If it's going to be, it's going to be. And I know I can get through it and I'm still going to live my life the way that I want to live my life. And I'm not going to let anxiety stop me. So I'm glad you brought that up because recovery doesn't mean you never feel anxious ever again. And I did feel the same way as you did too, where I was like, why? I don't ever want to experience anxiety again. But anxiety is something that all human beings experience and animals experience it as well. It's something that keeps us safe and alive. So we can't get rid of anxiety completely. That's just never going to happen. What we want to do is get to a much better place where anxiety is not showing up constantly at the wrong times. So that's, or preventing us from doing things anymore. You might still occasionally feel anxious when you're doing certain things and that's okay. It doesn't mean, oh, because I had anxiety one day, that means that I'm not recovered. It's, that's not true. When I was about to do this podcast episode, I was really nervous. (laughs) Like I was nervous, I was anxious. And that's just, that just goes to show, like, I felt that way, but me in the past sort of said, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I could do this. Let me just, I'm not going to do the podcast episode because I'm so anxious about it. Being recovered from anxiety means you still do things that you want to do anyway, and you just allow yourself to be anxious about it. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be anxious all day, every day. It just means that It'll come up occasionally and during stressful times in your life. It'll come up again. It may or may not, but you'll be able to move through it in a much different way and come out of it on the other side much differently than you. Yeah, right. Riding the wave, riding yes. the wave. <laughs> go with it. Yeah, it's going to get to a peak, but it's eventually going to go away. Just like our friends. I was about to say, I'm like, I know. Yeah, look, hold on. I'm like for visual reference I have this one and I have another one (laughs) and here they also say that they say there's a thing about riding the wave right you're gonna get to the peak of it but every single panic attack or every single anxiety attack has a has a peak and it's gonna come back down and if you feel like it's building up you don't fight the wave if a wave is coming at you in the ocean are you really gonna try to fight it no, no, you know, <laughs> right. like you're gonna swim with it. That's how you get out of it. But yeah, we'll put another plug here for Barry McDonough and Dare. Yeah, anyone struggling with anxiety and panic, please read these books. You might be going through the darkest time of your life and experiencing the darkest parts of your soul, DPDR, anxiety, panic, everything, and feeling like you can't live your life anymore, that you can't leave your house and stuff like that. But 
if you start to experience that recovery journey and the amount of strength and inner power that you need to get through it and you don't give up on yourself, think about the person that is going to end up on the other side, right? Everything happens for a reason. And I feel like for you as well, Haley, like you're now a therapist, you're helping people get through this. You're giving them the tools, you're supporting them and being there for them, right? So your purpose might have been going through it as well. So you could do it, right? And for me, what I've been seeing is I've been going through this freaking darkness as well, but also because I have the ability to show people, hey, I'm in the middle of it. I can still live my life. I'm going to show you what recovery looks like for my reality and see if maybe you can also resonate with it and go on this recovery journey and we can share and build community. And I'm going to build that space for people to get exposure to other people that are healing or exposure to people that can help you heal or therapists and coaches and stuff like that and show people that this is okay. This is a part of life that some of us have to go through and some of our stories are with panic and anxiety, but we're going to get through it. And there's a purpose for every single person that's going through it as dark as it is. And trust me, during the darkest times, I did not know how I was going to get out either. And it sucks to, and I agree with you hundred percent, but it's like when you say that it's like hard, but it is hard. Like I find myself when people ask me, like, how did you do it? I'm just like blood sweat and tears yeah <laughs> like literally it's painful and it's really hard but i just keep on holding on to that person that's coming out of the other side is gonna be like superhuman yes, like, that's so true you, know? you come out so yeah. much stronger mm-hmm. and different in a good way in than you were way. before this it's all the times that you just feel like giving up. I felt like giving up so many times and I felt so embarrassed and ashamed. I was like, I'm a therapist. I should know better. I can't even manage my own anxiety. It was just like, <laughs> it was bad. And I felt like giving up and I was like, mm-hmm. I kept comparing myself to other people and it was just, it was hard. But you, like you said, you have to acknowledge those wins. You have to, no matter how small they seem, you have to be able to acknowledge it because every time you do, you're like, this is another step closer to where I'm going and to where I want to be. doesn't matter if this step is like this small. (laughs) Like, oh, that's not a big deal. This person's able to do this and I can't even do this. It doesn't matter. You were able to do it and you were not able to do it before. You have to give yourself a pat on the back. You have to give yourself credit for it. And you have to feel proud of yourself for getting yourself through those moments that's what this is all about so yeah yeah Yeah, praise yourself for no matter what it is please praise yourself it is a rough journey you have to learn to be your own best supporter and i know that's difficult when you feel like your own body's attacking you right but the sooner you start celebrating those small wins you know the light is going to start coming through and you're going to get there but yeah no good no giving up. No. Yes. Giving up is not an option here. Yeah. No, please don't. And you have people that are there that can support you, that can help you. There's coaches, there's therapists like Haley that are out there that understand. So seek out support. Try therapy. Try coaches. Try healers. Try anything and everything you need to do, but just start looking somewhere. If you're listening to this, just know that you're not alone. Any anxious thought that you think no one else could have had this, any 
anxiety symptom that you think no one else could have experienced this. There are tons of people out there who have experienced that as well. So I think it's just so important to know that you're not alone to ask for help when you need to and to listen to episodes like this and just seek out support wherever you can because anxiety recovery is possible for you. And I will tell any person that you are not too far gone. I used to think Mm -hmm. that way about myself, but you can absolutely get out on the other side of it. It's hard work, but you can do this and you can do hard things. Yeah. And where you can find me is on TikTok. I am your anxious therapist. And (laughs) on Instagram, I'm your anxious therapist. It's your dot anxious dot therapist on Instagram. 